we are the descendants of 40 million people who left other countries, other familiar scenes, to come here to the United States to build a new life. I think it is not a burden, but a privilege. Welcome to Statutes of Liberty, an immigration podcast brought to you by Clasco Immigration Law Partners. Hello, everybody. This is Ron Clasco, and I'm here with Dan Lundy and Jessica Denisi. Uh, and we are three lawyers in the uh, EB5 team at the Clasco Immigration Law Partners. And we're happy to talk to you today about uh, the second episode in our series on problems with EB5 projects and regional centers. And this episode two will focus on issues relating to regional centers. Uh, episode one focused on issues relating to specific projects. Um, and the next episode, episode three, will focus on taking these types of problems into federal court and litigating. We're going to be talking today about the uh, bases that the USCIS uses uh, to attempt to terminate regional centers. Um, what the procedures are, what some of the legal issues are, what some of our methods of defending these cases successfully have been, and the impacts on investors uh, in the event of a regional center termination. So we have a lot to cover. Um, and I'd like to start, uh, Jessica, with you. So as I see it, there are basically three different uh, types of reasons or rationales that USCIS uses in issuing notices of intent to terminate regional centers. Um, I'd like to start off, what's, what's the most common one that we see? Um, the most common one is probably a, a termination or, or a, a notice of intent to terminate based on inactivity. So uh, USCIS bases their determination of whether or not a regional center is active based on what's reported in the I-924A filing. The I-924A is a uh, an annual report required to be filed by all regional centers um, at the end of each fiscal year. Um, the service defines no activity as uh, for a regional center as no filed I-526 petitions associated with the regional center and no investment in the regional center to date. So a regional center can be terminated or reviewed by USCIS to be inactive uh, even if it has a project, it's actively marketing a project or actively seeking a project. USCIS will usually issue a notice of intent to terminate uh, after three years of filing I-924A showing no activity, no filed 526s or no um, investment. As you said, we get a lot of these um, and we have a very good record of being successful in rebutting these notices of intent to terminate. So basically, what are we usually doing in, in rebutting these successfully? Um, so in rebutting a notice of intent to terminate based on inactivity, um, we have the regional center um, provide evidence of all of the activities um, they've undertaken since being um, designated as a regional center um, to look for projects. So evidence of due diligence on projects. So we would look at uh, term sheets, um, 
you know, narratives of the actions undertaken. Um, a lot of times by the time the NOID is issued, the regional center has already, you know, signed up a project or has investors. Um, generally speaking, um, if we provide evidence of due diligence on projects and, and things of that nature, the regional center is basically um, given another bite of the apple. They're, they're given another year at least um, to show that they're, you know, going to be sponsoring projects. Okay. Then, even though uh, what Jessica has talked about, which is the inactivity issue, is the most frequent basis for a notice of intent to terminate, uh, it's certainly not the most complicated. Um, and the other two types that we get of NOITs uh, often involve complicated factual and legal issues. Why don't you talk about uh, uh, what they are and how we defend them? The first and most obvious is the failure failure to file in 924A every year is required. You know, if there's an innocent mistake and they simply forgot or they missed the deadline, which is December 29th, uh, you know, it's an odd date, but it's 90 days after the end of the fiscal year. That's a relatively easy one to defend. You just file the 924A and, and show proof of filing and explain that you made a mistake. Uh, USCIS usually doesn't terminate after that if we've done that. More complicated are uh, the regional center would fail to uh, file an amendment or you know, uh, notify USCIS of a change in management or ownership, or more complicated still, uh, obviously if the regional center is itself or any of the regional center principals are involved in any kind of fraud or misappropriation, uh, that would be a clearly a ground for a notice of intent to terminate. Um, but sometimes it's more, even more remote and more complicated uh, than that, such as you have a new commercial enterprise that invests in a job-creating enterprise, and the job-creating enterprise files bankruptcy. USCIS will often come and ask about the regional center's oversight and management of the investments. You know, if the project is going bankrupt, what was the regional center doing to monitor and oversee the investment activity? These are complicated. So the standard that USCIS has to terminate a regional center is simply either they didn't file the reported the required forms or they don't continue to serve the interests of economic development. So it's kind of a vague standard not directly tied to any standard of conduct that the regional center must live up to. So answering them is kind of vague and amorphous also. But the, basically, we answer whatever the allegations are, we answer the allegations and show that the regional center has been diligent in monitoring and overseeing the investments. Um, if there have been changes that have happened that haven't been reported, we give a re, you know, explain the changes, take corrective action. We also do a lot to show that the regional center is acting in good faith. If the regional center has one project that has a problem, but 10 projects that don't have a problem, we do a lot to explain all how great all those 10 projects are and how the regional center has procedures and policies to, to avoid problems and make sure that it's engaged in proper oversight. Um, and so far we've been successful uh, on almost all of them, actually. Dan, is it the USCIS position that the regional center is almost like the guarantor of success of all of the projects that it sponsors? And if one of the projects goes bad, then that's a basis to terminate the regional center? The basis to terminate would be failing to properly oversee the project. And if you fail to properly oversee one project, they may 
deem that a serious enough violation that they could potentially terminate your regional center and, and which would impact all your other projects, even if there are no problems with those projects. Again, there, there are actually no, no standards in the regulations, in the statute, or even the USCIS policy manual about what oversight of the investment is supposed to look like. So it's a little tricky because USCIS comes at you and says, well, you know, this one project you have went bad and you weren't doing your job. It's up to you to argue that, well, no, we've actually been doing everything we're supposed to do and we still serve the uh, purposes of economic development because look at all these other great projects we have. I'm going to go into a, a little bit of detail on um, uh, some of the legal bases that we use when we're defending these, whether it's before the agency or in federal court. Um, before I do that, uh, Jessica, why don't I ask you to tell us procedurally how does this work? So the, our, our regional center client gets a notice of intent to terminate. Um, what happens then? And uh, what are the steps that, that ultimately can be taken to defend? Um, so the regional center gets a notice of intent uh, to terminate. Um, we prepare a response. We submit the response. Um, eventually, USCIS will either send a letter, you know, explaining that the regional center is still in good standing or uh, terminate the regional center. Um, if the regional center is, in fact, terminated, we can file um, a motion to reopen or reconsider, uh, appeal to the AAO, but ultimately a wrongful termination would probably require uh, litigation in federal court in order to resolve uh, the issue. So as we speak today, there is no requirement to, if you get a denial, if you get a termination, um, as Jessica said, you have the options of a motion to reopen, uh, and then you have the option of going to the AAO, but those are options that you don't have to exercise. If you want to, you can go directly uh, to file a uh, uh, what's called a declaratory judgment complaint in federal court to ask the federal court to overturn the denial. Uh, a lot of times on these cases, uh, regional centers try to deal first with the AAO, and there are some cases where that makes sense and some where it may not. Um, but there are different options on how to proceed. So I, I want to talk uh, basically picking up where Dan left off uh, on, on, on the legal issues on defending these cases, especially the more complex cases where the issue is the, you know, a project that fails, a project that involves fraud, um, where the basis for the notice of intent to terminate is that the regional center did not do enough uh, to, to monitor the project, to prevent this bad thing from happening. So I'm not talking about situations where the regional centers, you know, the regional center itself was culpable in, in, in participating in the fraud, but where the regional center had absolutely nothing to do with the project going bad or, the, or, or any fraudulent activity. But, it, but the government is simply saying, we're terminating you because you didn't prevent it from happening or you didn't monitor it closely enough. As Dan mentioned, uh, this is an interesting area because the Immigration Service, in our opinion, has no authority to do this. Uh, you can search in vain in the statute or regulations to find anything that gives the service the authority to do this. What you will find in the regulations is that the regulations authorize the service to terminate in two instances. 
Number one, if the regional center failed to do its annual reporting, it's I-924A, straightforward. And secondly, if the regional center no longer serves the purpose of promoting economic growth. Well, you may have situations, and we've had these situations, where a regional center may have eight projects, um, and seven of them perfectly fine have created thousands and thousands and thousands of jobs promoting economic growth, and one project went bad, and the government is saying, well, we're going to terminate the regional center because you let this project go bad. And it has nothing to do with the fact that the regional center is not promoting economic growth. And their basis is saying, well, you didn't monitor the project, which is lovely, except for the fact that that is not in the regulations as authority that the government has. It's interesting that the USCIS has attempted on multiple occasions, including in the presently pending bill in, in the Senate, uh, to add that to their arsenal. Even they've attempted it in rulemaking, in, in uh, an advance notice of proposed rulemaking. They said they need this authority. But the bottom line is that proposed rule never became final. The legislative language never worked its way into a law that passed. So basically what the Immigration Service is saying, well, we're going to do it anyway, even without the regulation and the statutory authority which of course they can do unless and until a court tells them they can't. When we're defending these cases, we're using a lot of different things. One is what I just told you. Uh, second is since it's not in the statute of regulations, there's no standard that they use uh, in this. Is, is it a strict liability standard? Is it negligence? Is it that the regional center should be showing up every week at the project to check the books and records? There's absolutely no standard. We also talk about the fact that, you know, the, the result of this is that, and we're going to talk about this in a second, but the Immigration Service as a double whammy says, and if we terminate the regional center, all of the investors who are not conditional residents in any of the projects, even the perfectly good projects, we will say it's a material change uh, and you have to, and you're going to be denied and start all over again. So it's the unusual situation where they say, well, we need to terminate the regional center in order to protect investors from this horrible regional center. And oh, by the way, even though all these investors are going to get green cards, they're all now going to get denied or deported because we've decided to terminate the regional center. So it really kind of makes no sense. And it especially makes no sense in a situation where the investors are not a party to this. So the investors have no standing to challenge it, uh, often don't even know it's happening. There is a section of the regulations that talk about, about this issue, uh, but they talk about the fact that an investor must be affiliated with a regional center, but not necessarily the same regional center. So the bottom line is that there are a number of different ways that we use to challenge notices of intent to terminate based on the failure of the regional center to do what the immigration service thinks it should have done to monitor the project and prevent the project from going bad. Now, the last thing I want to mention is just a little bit more. I mentioned the fact that if the immigration service takes the unilateral action of, of terminating the regional center, the result is, they say, that the investors who are not conditional residents uh, will not have their, their cases approved. 
Why? Because they say it's a material change. And uh, again, we believe that is not correct for a whole lot of reasons. Uh, and in fact, we'll be challenging this shortly in federal court. Uh, but the bottom line is that the what we believe is material to the success of the EB-5 project is, you know, has the investment of the investor been sustained and have the jobs been created? The fact that after the jobs are created, the regional centers terminated has nothing to do with the investor. It's not material to the investor's application. If the regional centers terminated and they and, and the NCE switches and goes to a different regional center, uh, there's still a regional center, but the immigration service seems to say that's a material change. And again, for a lot of reasons, uh, we uh, uh, believe that's incorrect and uh, we are uh, in the process of challenging this. I want to mention uh, an AAO case and a federal court case that, that are important to know about. So there's actually multiple AAO cases now in dealing with regional center terminations that talk about uh, this being a balancing test. And so they say, well, all right, it's really bad that this project went bad and that this regional center was sponsoring it and it went bad. But What's on the other side? Well, on the other side, you know, they've uh, they file their annual reports every year. Um, they've done everything else right. They have eight successful projects. They've created, you know, 1,297 jobs, uh, and it becomes a, a, a balancing test. And so there is some possibility in this area where the AAO, in the right set of facts, you know, may be willing to challenge or, or overturn the USCIS denial uh, if you have good facts under that kind of balancing test. And the last thing I'll mention is there is a federal court case um, in the PATH America Regional Center litigation where the federal court overturned a regional center termination uh, saying, in, in, in many of the same ways that I just mentioned the AAO looked at it, saying that uh, even though this regional center did some things that maybe it shouldn't have done and had some failings, those failings are outweighed by all of the jobs that are created, all of the investors who are innocent and have done everything right. And when you put together the balancing test, uh, the, the regional center should not be terminated. So there is some helpful authority both at the AAO level and the federal court level uh, when you're challenging these cases. So let me stop there. Uh, Jess or Dan, do you have any other thoughts that you'd like to add to any of that? Ron, I, I think you summarized that very well. The, the court in the Path America case said that USCIS had to look at the totality of the circumstances and couldn't just look at the bad factors, which at least is helpful. Uh, Dan, so we've talked about the, uh, the state of the law today, uh, but it's very relevant that the law may be changing. Uh, and in fact, it may be changing before June 30 of 2021, uh, when the regional center program is set to expire, at least as of the date of this recording. Um, and there is a bill called the EB-5 Reform and Integrity Act that is being seriously considered in the U.S. Congress right now that would affect some of what we're talking about. Would you uh, be willing to tell us a little bit about uh, what that bill says? 
Sure. The the bill has some things that are good for good for us and some things that are and I wouldn't say bad for us, but they're certainly going to make being a regional center more expensive and more complicated. For instance, the the law sets forth a whole bunch of people, uh, a whole bunch of disqualifying factors for people who are regional center, uh, either owners or principals or anybody with a, a managing uh, role in a regional center. Uh, if you've been convicted of various crimes or you've been debarred from participating uh, in the sale of securities or you have various kinds of fraud violations, you will not be allowed to work for a regional center. Uh, if the regional center find, you know, employs somebody that is debarred, they face termination themselves. The fees for the 924A will increase uh, dramatically. The regional center will have to pay you know, ten dollars or $20,000 a year um, for continued operation. One of the good things, or I guess I should set this up. One of the one of the interesting things is the new bill would provide for the termination of not just a regional center, but a, a new commercial enterprise or a job creating entity. So it kind of gives a little more flexibility in the case where you know, like we said, we have one project that's bad in a regional center, but the re- regional center has ten other projects, all of which are per- perfectly fine. Uh, USCIS doesn't have to terminate the regional center. USCIS could terminate that job creating enterprise from the program. Um, the one really good thing that it does is that it allows investors who are in a regional center that is terminated, a regional center, a new commercial enterprise, or a job creating enterprise that is terminated from the program for, you know, malfeasance of any kind or from failure of any kind to continue the green, the green card process by investing whatever additional money they need to invest to create the jobs. And this would include any money recovered by the NCE or the regional center through, you know, uh, lawsuits or other, you know, insurance proceeds or, or other types of funds that, are, that can be recovered from the project or from the bad actors. So it, it gives a certain amount of protection to investors and mitigates that material change issue. It would allow the investors to continue the process, notwithstanding that something outside, completely outside of their control uh, went wrong. They don't now automatically lose their opportunity for a green card. So that, that, is, that is one highly beneficial provision of the new law. The, the only thing I'll add to that, Dan, and we may talk about this a little bit more in episode three, dealing with federal court litigation, is that bill you've been discussing, one of the bad things in there, is it would for the first time create a requirement that on any EB-5 related case, you must first go to the AAO before you can go to federal court. And that is something that uh, our law firm and a lot of who are involved with are attempting to get stripped out of the bill uh, before it is considered. Uh, And again, we may address that more during episode three. So I think we've, you know, hopefully given the listeners a a pretty good overview of the bases that you're going to see when the government tries to terminate a regional center, uh, what the procedure is and the appeals, how best to defend against these things, what the legal issues are, and if you're representing investors who are affected by it, uh, how they may be able to defend against the government taking the position that their 526s should be denied or their conditional residence should be denied based on material change. So uh, that concludes uh, 
episode two of our three-part series. We'd appreciate you giving us a five-star rating and, and a review. Um, please email podcast at classicallaw.com with any questions you'd like answered and follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and WeChat. And sign up for our emails for the latest alerts and blogs at classicallaw.com. I'd like to thank Dan Lundy and Jessica Denisi for their expertise in this area. Um, this is Ron Clasco. I look forward to speaking with you next on the third episode of our three-part series, which involves federal court litigation on any of the issues we've talked about with projects and regional centers. For more information, visit us at classicallaw.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can email your immigration questions to podcast at classicallaw.com. The material contained in this podcast does not constitute direct legal advice and is for informational purposes only. An attorney-client relationship is not presumed or intended by receipt or review of this presentation. The information provided should never replace informed counsel when specific immigration-related guidance is needed. Thank you.